right, go ahead and have a seat. I can't tell you how good it is uh, to be back with you guys in worship. It has just been a long time since we've gathered in uh, the physical presence of one another, but I'm grateful that in spirit we've been able to be a part of the church, at least online and in prayers and in conversations and things like that. And hopefully you guys along the way have, um, have held up pretty good. You look, you look good. Uh, but, you know, I've got the two contacts in that are close, so I, 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 everything looks like an impressive painting beyond uh, Jason. So from that standpoint, you guys look great. Well, I don't even know where to begin uh, because it has been so long, other than to say um, we've, uh, we've been on quite a journey. And a lot of things have changed in the span of just a few months, and a lot of things have stayed the same. Uh, we have, um, I think, expanded uh, things online as far as our footprint goes and touching lives and things like that, and I've been grateful for that. I think a lot of people have been praying more than um, I, I've ever seen them pray, and it's been good to be able to uh, just share the things that have been on our hearts in texts and emails and on social media and be praying for one another. And then to hear how God's been answering prayers and how in so many ways, uh, despite everything, he has been faithful. And that, I think, has been a stable anchor in a world that is in such chaos right now. And if there ever was a time that you would think that the Lord is important for our lives, I got to think that this is that time. And if there was ever a time where you had considered anchoring your life more securely in God's word, I would have to think that this is that time as well. And so with those things as kind of the premise for our gathering, sort of where we've been and where we're headed, um, we know that everything that we're doing here is the result of the Lord being at work in our lives, through our lives during this time. And now we are expressing to him, I think, a heartfelt thanksgiving uh, in worship because he has been so faithful. Now I want to just move on, I guess, into our prayer concerns. Um, one, one person who's been on my mind lately has been Kay Swanson, who um, uh, has broken her back and has COVID. Uh, so uh, she is in Austin town in a, in a care facility. And I, I want to lift uh, Kay up uh, in, in our prayers uh, today. And also a good report regarding Cameron, who we've been praying for for so long, uh, who is completely restored. Uh, and that is, that is so wonderful. Um, I just want to make sure I, I'm not missing anyone or anything prayer-wise. Does anyone have anything on their heart that they want to share? Uh, they want to... Um, uh, have us lift up together. Anything that is a, a an expression of joy and thanksgiving. Anybody have anything?
Okay. Wow. She is a strong individual. She's been through a lot, but obviously needs our prayers. So keep uh, Diane Rude lifted up. Anyone else? Well, some things uh, never change, do they? Um, you guys are being timid. Oh, way back in the back. That's Joe Carroll, right? The joy of being here. Amen. Yeah, I think we all have that, don't we? Yeah. Well, we'll pray. I know some of you are wearing masks and some of you aren't, and we want to just respect that. Uh, and the whole social distance thing that we've been um, kind of conditioned to pay attention to. Um, and also just pray that God will keep us safe as we gather in his name. Okay. Well, I'm going to go into our prayer time, and uh, at the end of it, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. And then after that, I have an announcement or two, and then uh, we'll get into the message, and then it'll, uh, it'll, be, it'll be over as quickly as it happened depending on how long the sermon goes. We'll see how, how much that's changed. How's that? Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, as we begin this first day of the week, uh, it is such a joy uh, to be together in the presence of one another as your body gathered. We are thankful, Father, that in the past several months, you have been such a faithful presence and a continuous source of all that we have needed. And Lord, it's been a whole range of emotions that we've gone through because of the dramatic changes that are happening in the world around us and the issues that are in play. And as we think about those that are hurting, we know that uh, some are suffering alone because of the isolation that's required. And we want to lift up especially Case Watson, and we pray, Father, that you would bring healing to every part of her being, that you would encourage her spirit, that you would help her to know that you are with her. And I pray, Father, that as she goes through this time of waiting and recovering, uh, that you would give her the mercies she needs every morning. We pray for Diane Rude and for her family, especially her son-in-law, and um, in the accident that he had, we pray that there would be healing there. And for Diane, for strength, for the recovery from the hip surgery and the, just the adjustment and now uh, the setback, I pray that you would help her, Lord. I'm thankful, Father, that as we've lifted up many things to you, you have shown your hand at work in these lives that, um, that we have we've brought before you. And especially as we think about Cameron and how this young life has needed your miracle to thrive and it's such a blessing to hear the report today that Cameron is well and we give you all the praise and the glory for that father as we worship together we pray that you would just give us your spirit of peace and a spirit of unity and of love we pray father for a spirit of protection over this body and all the churches that are meeting in the area that you would Give them that that they need so that they can bring before you worship and praise and attention to you and your voice. We pray, Father, that as we look at the larger frame of our, of our, our world and, and even our country, we pray for the turmoil that is happening, that there could be resolution to things that involve issues of race and, um, 
and, and injustice and things that uh, have to do with attitudes towards one another as well as policies and ways of conducting business that uh, tend to um, uh, shut out certain people and include others. Father, we do pray that there would be justice in the land as in the even largest view of it all. This is your place, Lord. This is your earth. And we know, Father, we've been called to be stewards, and yet we can't help but imagine that when you see the chaos, it breaks your heart. So help us to be the church in whatever way we need to be for this moment to the people around us, to our community, uh, that we could be your hands and feet and we could embody the substance of your character and all that we do, how we respond to people, how we lift them up in prayer and how we share their concerns as our burden as well. Father, we just want to thank you again for being with us and we pray, Father, that as we surrender our lives to you this morning, that you would speak to each of us as we have wandered and we are now in your presence in a spirit of wonder. We're thankful. And so, Father, give us the alignment and the heart that we need to follow you as um, we pray the prayer that the disciples said when they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, um, as we conclude our prayer time and we move into uh, the time around the word, I, I wanted to kick it off by saying that because of the times that we're in right now, um, we've decided to launch a, another 21-day prayer initiative. And I think 2020 is that year that says, um, <laughs> upon day one, to each of us in our face, you ain't never seen a year like me before, and I would have to agree, all the more reason why we need to be in prayer. So we have these uh, devotional prayer guides available right outside uh, the worship center, and encourage you all to pick one up before you go. Uh, if you're nervous about COVID, just leave it somewhere for a day or two, spray some Lysol on it, whatever the case may be, but please... Uh, Take some time and join us uh, for prayer uh, as we pray together as a church for what is happening here and there and everywhere as God is um, in need of, uh, of his people to um, be that salt and light, uh, especially through prayer. So um, if you want to just uh, access it online, it's also available on our website on PDF. Uh, so it, there's no excuses if, uh, if you're thinking, well, I didn't do it because I couldn't get one. Well, we'll make sure you get one. We'll even hand deliver it with a six-foot stick if we need to. Uh, so, and if you know somebody that needs one or would like, you think that isn't here that would like one, please just pick an extra copy up and send it their way. 
Um, so that that's the first thing that, that we have going on. The second is we're launching, a, we launched a, a series online last week um, called Breaking Down Walls. And as we are breaking uh, through, uh, I think, things that are strongholds that are in place, things that are evidence that the world is not what God called it to be, uh, there is something about the power of the good news that I think plays a significant role in making that happen. And I want to ask the question, if someone approached you and they said to you, can you explain to me who Jesus is as you understand him in scripture, where would you go? How would you begin the process of unfolding what he's meant to you in the course of your life? And I have to say that there is one place that, that I would go that I think is so defining, and it is the Sermon on the Mount. And inside that sermon, there is embedded uh, some information about how it is that we connect with God. And when the disciples ask the question, uh, as is posed in Luke uh, for the Lord's Prayer, Lord, teach us how to pray, essentially what they were doing was saying, we're trying to figure out the God question because there is a lot of confusion out there about who people say that God is, and there's certainly a lot about who people say that you are. And I don't think that's changed at all. And if you were taking that question and you were, in your own words, trying to express who you thought Jesus was, I think the Lord's Prayer for me would be, would be an easy one. Well, first of all, if you've ever said it or prayed it in church, you've got it memorized. And you may be thinking, I don't have the words. I don't even have Bible memorized, but I would dare say that most of us Many of us, we know the Lord's Prayer, and we can say the Lord's Prayer. And as we say it, believe it or not, there's a lot in there that defines who Jesus is. Now, I just want to say to our fathers, happy Father's Day. And so many times I struggle with how it is that I can say a good word to our fathers uh, and encourage them, and how it is that at the same time, create conviction. And again, I think this prayer is the place to begin, because how does it start out? Our Father. Interestingly enough, it, it actually is translated, the Father of us. That is the literal translation, the Father of us. Isn't that cool? Because that means, well, pretty much everybody in the room, pretty much everybody on the planet is the father of us. Now, I come from a mixed family, which means that I ha my mom was married three times, so uh, I, have a, I have two half-sisters, each with a different father. And then there's my father and my mom who stayed together and when we assemble as a family the father of the two that are not biologically connected to my father or the children should I say of the the holy cow 
this is too complicated for me. I just need a whiteboard. Um, getting to the point, the, the, my two other siblings look to Ira, which is my father's name, and they say he is our dad because he's the one who's invested so much in us over the years. He's the one who's been faithful. He's the one who stuck with us. He's the one who brought order to our house. It's interesting. I just discovered the other day. Do you know what the word Ira means? It's in the Bible. And it means wrath. Do you know that? Wrath. I'm like, whoa. That explains a few things for sure. Like the time that, never mind. Uh, let's just go on. And I thought, you know, it's a very awesome image, isn't it, to think of Ira as wrath. And I think a lot of times we think of God as sort of a wrathful God who's just got us in the crosshairs all the time thinking, as soon as you step out of line, I'm going to pull this earth over and I'm going to kick you off. But that's not the God that we know, is it? There is an element of wrath for sure. As my own father had that display, but it was only at appropriate times and always for a purpose. I mean, I grew up in the day when we had the belt. You kids probably don't know about the belt if your kid's in here, but the belt was not something that you wanted to spend any more time with than you had to. And I think I only got it maybe once or twice. Probably should have got it about 10 times more than that. But there's something about the wrath of Ira that said, you know what, you deserve it. But I'm just going to look at you like this. And that was really enough. Point was well taken. But the side of Ira that I knew was, I think, in a lot of ways, a signpost to why I'm here. Because my dad was by far not a perfect human being. But there were so many qualities about his loyalty, his faithfulness, his love for us kids. And then even taking the time to disciple us. He would never use that word, but whenever I wanted to learn something, he would show me how to do it. Or he would just throw me into the pool, so to speak, and say, this is how you do it. Sink or swim. Figure it out. And he did me a huge favor by knowing when to do that and a when to come alongside and to help me along and when to do it for me because I wasn't ready. Now, when Jesus was asked by his dis disciples, Lord, or Rabbi, teach us to pray, that was actually a common question of the day. There were other rabbis who had people that followed along, and they were people that were sincerely trying to figure out how it is that you live your life as a follower of God in such a way that your life was God-honoring. And maybe they came from homes where that didn't happen so much, and so they defaulted to rabbis saying, that person can help me understand what I didn't get growing up in the home that I did. 
And whenever a rabbi would teach people to pray, because that actually wasn't an unusual question, he would begin to pray. But oftentimes, he would pray in such a way that it indicated what was important to him. I mean, for some people, they prayed in a way that said, what's important to me is dignity or joy or helping other people. And so the prayer would be embedded with a lot of thoughts that had very much to do without that, about that subject matter. You know how some people just have kind of like a theme that defines who they are, the thing that's most important to them? That's what the rabbis would have. And when Jesus said, this is the prayer that you need to pray, do you know what he was saying? These are the things that have been on my heart and are always on my heart. These are the things that actually define what's on the Father's heart. And he opens up by saying, our Father, together, this group of people who are called Israelites. But he actually had a definition that expanded out into us, non-Israelites. People like myself who knew that they had a Father that had a lot of good qualities that pointed to God but still had, well, there was an issue of alcoholism. And then there was the issue of every time something went wrong, he would say a word that began with S. And then there was the issue of, well, whenever he would drink, he wasn't abusive, but he would be sarcastic. And those were indicators that said to me, that is not really what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is somebody to show me the way that on those occasions where those negative things come out, they can show me something that is a better answer. And I am so grateful that when I started coming to church, there was a father figure named Bill Stark who showed me in many ways the embodiment of what the Heavenly Father was like. And approach me how I think a Heavenly Father would approach anybody. And then when I discovered who the Heavenly Father was in reading the Word, I found my answer. And it filled in the gaps of where it was that my DNA as a human being and how I conduct myself in the world was missing. You know, in Jurassic Park, you're all familiar with finding dinosaur DNA and then also finding that there are little gaps that are, that are not included in the coding that we have to fill with something. And they go and they extract some DNA from uh, a frog and they insert it into that place where it's missing. And then it is a complete picture of what is supposed to be a representation genetically of what happened millions of years ago. But the problem was that things started to go south, didn't they, whenever that... DNA didn't work like it was supposed to work. But in essence, what God is doing in our lives is saying, the DNA has been filled with stuff that doesn't work, and I need to replace it with something that does. So when Jesus says, well, this is what's important to me, so I recommend you pray this way. Our Father, that is the Father of us. And that is just 
revolutionary. You know, in our household, my sisters would say, and it's a lie, that I'm the youngest, I'm the boy, and I'm the favored one. I just won't accept that. Sometimes my mom does show a little bit more of a preferential treatment towards me, but I would say on balance, they're just jealous. Well, you can see where that kind of stuff would go south. I mean, there were a number of years that my next-in-line sibling, her and I wouldn't talk, and it had nothing to do with the things that I did when she was babysitting me that got her into a lot of trouble. Had nothing to do with the fact that I was always telling her she wasn't my boss. And there were so many things about being siblings where there were times when we just had a parting of the ways because we could not get along. But it was so nice going back to Illinois last week because that same sister that her and I used to fight all the time, it was so nice to be able to, despite everything that's going on, be able to hug her and have a great conversation with her and know that despite all the conflict and everything like that, we're still pretty much from the same father. And that was the unifying aspect of everything. And we're living in a moment where everybody says, I belong to this tribe or that tribe, and it's all broken up in such a way that people have to identify with something in such a way that it, well, it, it begins to drive wedges between people because what is important for one person may not be important for another. And so when Jesus is offering this prayer, he's understanding that this is the way we are. There's huge amounts of sibling rivalry, sometimes to the point of murder. And that's no surprise because the first sibling rivalry, the first big argument that we hear in the Bible ends in what? Murder. So it's a thing. It's a concern. If you read through the Bible, I discovered that as a father, and so this is for Brian. Brian is, did kind of step one. And it was after step prior to one finding the love of his life, you know, sneaking kisses and things like that, whispering sweet nothings to one another and feeling all those hormones raging through your body. Step three, because you still have to learn happy wife, happy life. But after you get that, you will discover that kids somewhere come on the scene and you have to decide for yourself in that moment, how am I going to run this operation? How am I going to make this thing work? Because I don't know about you, Brian, but don't really care for chaos and drama, and I'm guessing that your threshold is even lower. So you do have to answer that question, but it's the question that God has for you and I when he's looking through the eyes of Jesus at followers that are seeking answers. And Jesus says the place to begin is our Father, who art in heaven. And you may think this is belaboring something that you're overly familiar with, but in the Hebrew way of looking at life, 
it's a lot different than us. We think of heaven as a place where we go to listen to harps being played, and it's sort of a non-bodily, ethereal existence. Heaven, by the Hebrew, by the Jewish definition, is simply this. The place where things are as they should be and as they could be. And so he says, our Father who art in heaven. And later on he says, pray that on earth as it is in heaven. So that the things on earth will be in order in a way that they align with what already is in heaven. Does that make sense? Because heaven really is an example of a well-ordered existence that is by design what we on earth are to aspire to become. You see, God has a vision for his house. That is planet earth. The Bible in Psalm 24 talks about the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And yet he, as we read the opening words, he gave us the responsibility of taking care of it. Now my wife and I got to experience a blissful moment of no children. We love our children. Don't get me wrong. We do. We do, Mayim. It's don't be don't be traumatized by what I'm getting ready to say. But it was her and I. And it was great. And we left the house and we left someone in charge. Don't know if he's here this morning. But this person in charge was supposed to take care of the dishes. Well, we've had some informants tell us that didn't occur. And things were starting to happen of a biological nature in that part of the kitchen that shouldn't be discussed in church. All that to say that the things were not as they should have been ideally when the owners were taking responsibility for it. But he's learning. We're all learning. And the ideal example of what it means to be a father, to run a house, is, I think, really just following the pattern of God. God gives us the responsibility of being in charge, just like we give kids the responsibility of being in charge, because that's how you learn. You make, you make mistakes, you say, oh, that didn't work, then you just move on, and you make it so that it does work. And if you've discipled your kids right, you've let them try things, struggle with them, figure it out. And God is always there to help you through it. Have you ever prayed a prayer? Lord, I don't want to pray the Lord's Prayer. I just want to pray this prayer. This is broken, God. Please fix it. Please make it right. Please fix my problem for me. And you know what God says repeatedly? Not going to fix it for you most of the time. But I am going to be with you through it all the time. Even when it feels like I'm not there, I'm going to be with you. And I'm pretty comfortable with that because despite the chaos that's going on in government, in society, I know that God has been with me and with you. 
as that stable anchor in a sea of instability and uncertainty. He is our father. I went to Illinois, and my job really is to kind of play the role of my dad in our family now because he's passed on. And so my first question is, how is my mom's house? And my mom, she's a classic enabler. She's like, oh, it's fine. You don't need to do anything. But then I go up on the roof, and there's a big piece torn away, and it's leaking. And I'm like, I got to take care of that because her home needs to be dry. So I go up there, and I'm working on it. And she's outside. She's wondering, is he okay? Did he fall off the roof? You know, all that stuff that a mom does. Uh, but I, my, my question the whole time, whether I was fixing the roof or whether I was putting the gutter on or anything else was, I wonder what my dad would do. What would my dad do to take care of her? And in a lot of ways, I just feel like it was him kind of alongside me saying, yeah, go figure it out. You can do it. And so when Jesus says these things, they may not appear to be revolutionary, but they are because he could have said, well, let's talk about joy or let's talk about peace or let's talk about even injustice and justice. But he said, no, let's start at the source of it all, our father. And I will tell you, there are many problems that go on in the world. There are many problems that go on in your household and they all will find their resolution by the management style of the father and the mother in collaboration together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. And, you know, it was easy for me to feel a sense of awe for Ira when he was in a wrath mode. But there are other times where I think he was looking at me and saying, I'm proud of my kid. Or I'm not happy with my kid. Because in effect, people would say in the town of 3,900 people that I grew up in, oh, you're Iris' son. And then I'd take that to mean, what does that mean? Well, my dad did have a lot of respect in the community that we lived in. So there was something about them saying that that told me there was something about how I should conduct myself around other people. Because when you say name, when you say holy is your name, you're not saying, oh, you know what, don't swear. That's a pretty trivial way of saying don't take the Lord's name in vain. What he's saying is whenever, whenever it says don't take the Lord's name in vain or whenever your name is holy, he's saying that the identity of God, the character of God, the qualities of God are embedded in that name. And when you go out, you're carrying that name with you wherever you go. And when people see you, they see him because you are a representative of him. And he's the steward over it all. And so for the people that we are called to be, we are called to represent in whatever form the character and the intention and the qualities of the God who is our Father. So when I hear that word name, I realize it is a calling for you and I to behave and carry on and have attitudes in such a way that are reflective of Him. Whenever a person 
was called the father of a household, there is, there, there's a couple of thoughts that we think of. One is, that is the biological originator of that human being. But you know in the Hebrew mind what they thought? The father is the one who brings order to the whole thing. He's the one that ensures that all of the kids are taken care of. They're provided for. They have their daily bread. He's the one that ensures that there's fairness, that there's justice, that Leonard isn't going to be shown favoritism any more than Connie or Mickey. He's the one who makes sure that the thing runs well. And in a lot of ways, my dad did that, and I'll tell you why he did it, because he just didn't want the drama of seeing us fight all the time. But you ever wonder if God doesn't want to see the drama of us fighting all the time either? That it breaks his heart? Did you ever wonder what it would be like if somebody said, you know the problem with pollution? Well, we're at a place where it's never going to get any better. Do you know the problem with injustice? What we've seen is probably about the best that it's ever going to be. Do you know the problem with, well, I won't say this about Salem, but if you go to the city, you know why you live in Salem. In the larger cities, the problem with traffic. What if somebody said, we will never be able to solve the problem of traffic because, well, that day has come and gone. What if somebody said the problem of education, it's never going to get any better. It's only going to get worse from here. We went to a certain place, and now it's all going downhill. What if somebody said there will never be a middle class again? The poor are going to get poorer, and the wealthier, they're going to keep accumulating and hoarding everything. How would you feel? You'd be, feel pretty jaded, wouldn't you? That, well, this is about as good as it's going to get. But there is something about you and I that we have to have hope, don't we? Were you all hoping that we would get back to church again soon? A lot of you were. Some of you are hoping, man, I wish they wouldn't meet yet. And there's everything in between. But hope does kind of carry us and moves us forward. And you know the thing about the Lord's Prayer is when it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, it just kind of sets us up to pray the prayer on earth as it is in heaven because what the Lord is saying is it will get better. By design, my whole reason for sending my son and for sending the followers of my son and the people that came after them is that I'm in the business of redeeming all of this. And I'm not going to stop. No power is going to stop me. No obstacle is going to keep me from it. I'm not going to stop until things are the way they need to be as they already are in heaven. And that's why what is happening out there is all the more reason why the church needs to be the church. Because we are the ones who are in the business of helping to make things right. To put things in order. To show love in ways that are very godly. There is no other place, no other source, no other 
beginning place that we can go to where that's going to emerge. It all starts with the source, our Father in heaven. I don't know how to say it any other way. And I wish I could say it even better, more better than I just said it. But that's the limitations of being able to express something that is so powerful like that. I do know this. My family didn't go, go to church growing up, and we felt it. We did. There was something big missing. A huge layer was not there. And then I started going to church, and then other family members started going to church, and even my father was baptized. And it was a way of bringing a level of godly order, godly shalom. That's another beautiful, powerful biblical word, the shalom of God, the peace of God upon an environment that contains people where things are what they're supposed to be. You guys may not know this about me, but every day I get up, and I've done this for a very long time, I say, Lord, Help me to bring the shalom of God to bear on the lives of the people that you, you mix me in with every day because I think it's mandated. And the Lord's Prayer is God's way of saying, I want you to bring my presence and my name into your life and your situation. And I want you to begin to orient all of that based on that is your starting place. And so, fathers, you do have a pretty tough uh, challenge ahead of you to bring that to bear upon the lives of the people that you're called to be responsible for, like our Heavenly Father is called to be responsible for us. And as a father, I'd be the first to tell you I've made a lot of mistakes. But I'd also like to... Um, share with you that I've taken them to my Heavenly Father and He's helped me to work through them. Just like He'll help you. His primary objective is to take you where you're at and to show you His love and then to begin to move you forward. And it may be that it's time to begin to call Him your Father and be adopted into his family through the power and the blood of his son. And that is the beginning place. And I just pray that everyone in this room can say, he's my father. But he's not only my father, he's our father. Us, together. We may not always get along as his children, but one thing that we do know is that we have the same father, and in the end, we will. His presence and his love will prevail. I just want to bring you into that family, into that environment, into that space, so that whatever you're lacking, you can find fulfilled in him. I'm going to end this message uh, with a word of prayer, 
And if anyone is wanting to be adopted into the family that we're called to be a part of, I, I would just love to ask you to come forward or see me after the service. You can even do it online if you need to. However we can make that happen, we want to help you with that. So let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, as we conclude this time in your word, we are grateful that the status that we have with you is simply your children. We know we are beloved by you and that your whole aim is to reconcile us to you. We know there is a wrathful side to who you are, but it does not define you more than the loving side that draws us in. Lord, may we begin to feel your peace, that shalom that only you can begin to provide in our lives as we, in a spirit of surrender, give our lives to you. Help us, Lord, to embody the things that bring glory and honor to your name as we make it holy in our lives. Help us, Father, to pray not my will, but your will be done as we look to you as the source for everything, including the decisions that we make about the things in life that are important and the things that are, well, that are just the trivial in every day and everything in between. Father, I pray that as your servant that I've been able to convey in the way that is your heart's intent to the people that you have drawn into this gathering today. I thank you for doing so, and I pray that you would keep them safe and that you would help us, Father, as we move forward into whatever the future holds for us, hopefully again and again on Sundays in such a way that you redefine us once again as you call us. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. time I, uh, I have this one verse I want to read I want to ask us to, as a church just to stand for a moment it's just a few words um, it's from the Sermon on the Mount and you who he's talking to is Jesus on the Mount and he goes and he sits down and he talks to the people you therefore must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect you can sit. Now, we hear something like that. And we know that the holiness of God, which we've talked about a few times today, um, is a problem for us because we are not holy. And that's why the good news is so good. Because in Christ, we're made holy. You read through the sermon, you can't read through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And, uh, say I nailed it and close your Bible. And if that's you, you should read it again. Uh, but then you, re you keep reading and you get to the end of the book and you get to the cross, which is where we're at. This is what communion celebrates, commemorates. The Savior who's 
blood was spilled for us for our every imperfection so that Jesus would take that upon himself and give us his perfection. It's a great exchange. It's all completely grace. So you might read through the Sermon on the Mount and say, I need to obey this for God to love me and to accept me and to find favor for me. But all it is is a revealer that we need the cross. And so afterwards, when you look at the cross, you go out from the cross with the ability now to obey everything that you were unable to before and with an actual joy in your heart to do so. It's not a burden. Something in your heart changed. He gave you a brand new heart in that exchange. And so we're going to pray to the very God who accomplished our salvation for us. Father, who is in heaven holy, draw us into your Son. I pray for salvation would come to this place today, for, for those who are new here, or for those who have been wrestling with this or hesitating for some time, even if it's been for decades they've been hesitating even if they're active in the church, but never knew you. May they know today the work of Christ and to be perfectly, to be made perfectly satisfied in all that you accomplished, Jesus, our living Lord and Savior. You are wonderful to behold. Spirit, I pray that you would make our eyes to behold you all we need to do is look. May you do that work in us and give us a new heart. Take out our heart of stone that you couldn't do a thing with and that didn't want to come to you in any way, shape, or form and give us a heart that is malleable to your touch, who leaps after its creator because its creator has filled it with himself and you have quenched our thirst in this. And we give you all glory for all the work that you are doing. And we thank you that you are doing it. That you did not look back discouraged like some Zeus-like God who's ready to hit us with a lightning bolt every time we mess up. That's not you. You're a father who, when we fall, you don't discipline us because we fell. You celebrate the steps. Thank you. We have nothing to offer you. So we lay down our sin that we might receive the free gift of salvation. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. receive communion on your way in.
like, go ahead and stand and we'll close. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving seems, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. i 
this morning. I just pray for everybody as we go from this place. We keep you first in everything. We keep our eye on you. Show your love to everyone around us. We just pray for health and safety. Just as uh, we're in the midst of everything that we've been going through, just, uh, just uh, bring us back here next week, God. Just uh, thank you, praise you for this first meeting we've had. Uh, just pray that as we keep going, that more will either start coming back or logging online, God. Just, uh, just pray that the longing that we've had to be together, uh, to gather together in your name again, just to ignite something new for your church grow out of it. So we love you. We praise you for this day and just uh, pray for blessings on everybody as we go from here. Amen. Well, don't shake hands, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to see you. I hope to see you next week.